I think it's always important to make people aware of what you're looking for or what you're planning on doing. So I kind of talked to my mortgage broker, my realtor, and I said, hey, just so you know, we're, we want to buy another property. I have no idea how to do that, but keep me in mind. So a couple months later, about six months after we closed on the first property, I got a phone call from our realtor and he said, hey, I have a property. I think you might be interested in it, but I can't tell you anything about it. It's off market. I need you to get pre-approved. I need to see if you can even buy another house right now. So I said, okay. So now I call up my mortgage broker. I'm trying to figure out how we can get this settled. And lo and behold, we were able to get pre-approved for another loan. And I was able to call him back and say, okay, let's, let's move forward on this off-market deal. Welcome to Real Estate Deal Closers with Annette Talee, where we focus on the deals. Our guests are real estate closers who will share in detail the whole process from finding a deal to closing it, as well as strategies and tips to help you do the same. Here's your host, Annette Talee. Welcome to another episode of Real Estate Deal Closers. I am your host, Annette Talee, and my guest today is Becky Nova. Welcome, Becky. Hi, thank you so much for having me on today. I'm very, very excited to have you here. I love featuring other women in real estate. So it's always special when I get more women here. So uh, let me tell you a little bit about Becky. She's a native New Yorker, uh, cancer researcher by day and a real estate investor by night. Uh, she lived abroad and owned an international business. Then she moved back to the U.S., penniless and homeless. And then she mm -hmm. bought 10 doors in two years in competitive markets. And then she started her uh, lady landlords to have a safe place to ask uh, your own questions. Uh, is that a Facebook group? Yes, that is. Okay, so she started the Facebook group, Lady Landlords. And now she empowers other women to take action in real estate through events, accountability groups, worksheets, and courses. That's awesome. Welcome. Thank you so much. So I want to know, how did you get into real estate after being penniless and homeless? Sure. I find it really funny that I went from not having to have a home to having multiple homes. Um, so I actually never planned on buying a property or being involved in real estate at all. I wanted to travel. I liked living in foreign countries. But my husband is an immigrant from the Dominican Republic, and he wanted that American dream like many people do. And he really, really wanted to buy a house. So as you compromise in relationships, I said, OK, fine, we can buy a house but I'm gonna find a way where we're not spending a lot of money to be able to buy that property. So we ended up house hacking our first property. I had no idea that house hacking even existed, but we ended up buying a duplex. And once we closed on that and I saw the power of the wealth of real estate, I was hooked and I knew this is what I had to keep doing. Wow, that's amazing. I wish I found out about house hacking earlier you know I, I think I heard about it from a friend but I really didn't understand it until later after I owned you know two already two properties and a home and I'm like it's too late to house hack I already am a landlord <laughs> back when I was I was doing it same thing before I knew what it was back when I was in college I lived in a house that I rented and then I rented out all the rooms so that way I didn't have to pay rent and because we're all poor college kids, right? So Genius. I, was I was doing it and it never clicked in my mind that I was actually house hacking, you know, 10 years ago and that you could do it by room and not necessarily just by buying a multifamily. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
The Deal. All right. Awesome. So let's talk about the deal. What deal do you want to talk about today? Sure. So the deal I want to talk about is actually our second deal that we purchased. It's a quadplex in New York. All right. All right. So is it what type of asset? Is it um, A, B or C? So it's a C. It's a C-class. That's that's my favorite. I love C-class properties. So do uh, I. I appreciate the appreciation of the building itself, usually in that area. And then also working with that market. It just have been a really good fit. I think actually all of my properties are class C properties. Uh, mine, mine too. And, you know, I, I love that, you know, in a recession time, you know, like if, you know, people on the B class are going to go to the C and then the people on the C are going to go to the D. So that class is always really, to me, is less risky, you know, in, in, when you compare to other classes. And I think actually now during the pandemic where a lot of people lost their jobs, I think a lot of the class C jobs are very much those blue collar essential yes. workers, which is which has really kind of made a difference. So it's really nice to be able to make sure that those essential workers have comfortable homes and safe homes. So it's it's kind of a sweet spot for us too. So I'm glad Absolutely. I'm not the only one. I have the same experience with my tenants during the pandemic. I think I only had one that lost their job, but the, then she finally uh, got another job right away because they are hardworking people mm-hmm. you know, exactly. for the most part. And they take good care of their property. So it's it's a nice it's a nice compromise for sure. Absolutely. All right. So how did you find this deal? Sure. So this deal was actually our only off-market deal. Every other property that I've purchased has actually been on the MLS, which has been fantastic. But this one actually came to us from the realtor that we had used for our first property. He knew that we were looking for another property. I'd stayed in touch with him after we had closed. Once again, we didn't plan on getting into real estate. So I called him after we closed on the first one and just let him know. I think it's always important to make people aware of what you're looking for or what you're planning on doing. So I kind of talked to my mortgage broker, my realtor, and I said, hey, just so you know, we're, we want to buy another property. I have no idea how to do that, but keep me in mind. So a couple months later, about six months after we closed on the first property, I got a phone call from our realtor. And he said, hey, I have a property. I think you might be interested in it, but I can't tell you anything about it. It's off market. I need you to get pre-approved. I need to see if you can even buy another house right now. So I said, okay. So now I call up my mortgage broker. I'm trying to figure out how we can get this settled. And lo and behold, we were able to get pre-approved for another loan. And I was able to call him back and say, okay, let's let's move forward on this off-market deal. Amazing. And you, you touch on a point that is very, very important to tell people what you want to do. And, you know, I, I didn't do that at the beginning either. And then I've noticed that since I started sharing with people what I'm going to be doing next, like things start to fall into place for me, you know, because like somebody, you know, you know, knows that you want to buy and then they tell you, look, look, I have something for you to buy. I feel like so many people sit there with either, hey, I want to do this or I want to do this. And if you actually just tell people what your intentions are and you kind of put it out into the universe, eventually it's going to kind of come back to you. The off-market deal, oddly enough, was found by the realtor about six months before. And what ended up happening, I think this is such a cool story. He was at an appraisal. And it was in this cute little C-class neighborhood where everybody knows each other and everybody's lived there for years. And this little old lady comes up to the realtor and kind of knocks him on the shoulder. And it was like, hey, 
I, you know, I don't know you, who are you? And my realtor said, Hey, actually I'm helping someone buy this property and I'm here to do the appraisal. And she said, Oh, okay, well stay in touch. Maybe I'll at some point soon. So months later, she called him saying, Hey, you know, I'm ready to retire. I want to sell my, my multifamily property. And that's when he said, Oh, well, I remember Becky is in that same neighborhood and she is looking in that same neighborhood. Let me give her a call and see if she wants to buy it. So it was a perfect match because we had all just put out into the universe what we'd wanted. Excellent. And you only had one realtor involved in the transaction too. <laughs> and he was very happy to be dual, dual agent for both parties. Yeah, yeah. We absolutely. also made kind of negotiations a lot easier. Absolutely. Yeah, there is no that uh, playing the phone, you know, you say something and then they say oh, something yeah. and then the, the, seller, the seller gets a totally different story. Right. Right. All right. So how, what was the listing price? Uh, well, it wasn't listed. It was of, of market, but what was, what did she want and how much did you pay for? Sure. So once again, since it's an off market deal, and since we are in New York where things are pretty competitive, it was very much a take it or leave it number. So it was either you pay $650,000 for this house or you don't get this house. There really was no negotiation on the actual price of the house, which made sense. If it went on the market, we probably wouldn't have gotten it. There would have been other people that would have come in. And honestly, it probably would have been even went for an even higher price. So we were perfectly happy with the uh, with the price of six hundred and fifty thousand. So it was it was priced right. It was okay, cool. All right. So did you have to do any uh, in renovations to it? What did you do once you got it? <laughs> well, I guess we did. <laughs> Thank you for asking. <laughs> so once again, this was this little old lady that had owned this property for probably 30, 40 years. And her and her husband are elderly. They were both sick. Um, they were also both hoarders, oh. meaning that they had every inch of the property covered with what we would call that garbage, but what they would call valuable possessions. So that took a, that was actually where all the negotiations were. When we originally went to go see the house, we were, you couldn't even walk down the hallways because they were covered with items and furniture and So this was a two unit? Four units. Four units. And they had all of them or they were renting? No. So the, the elderly couple lived in one of the units and then rented out the other three. Okay. They also had a parking lot associated with it. It's actually two lots that the property's on, but every inch inside and out was covered with items. I honestly don't know how the tenants were able to walk to and from their apartments because the hallways were completely blocked with things. <laughs> so it was difficult because we couldn't even really see what the, there was one room we couldn't even see because it was so covered in items. We didn't even know what we were getting until after we had closed. And then they still had to do this clean out. Since once again, they're hoarders and this, these are possessions that they really value they didn't want just us to clean it out. They didn't want a dumpster and the junk guys to come. They, this elderly couple themselves, actually removed all of the items from the property themselves. Oh my gosh. Where did they take it? To a storage? Um, technically, yes. So they ended up buying a piece of land in Pennsylvania and they would fill up a trailer. And every other day, one day they would fill up the trailer the next day they would drive it to Pennsylvania, then they would come back and rest. Then the next day they would load up the trailer. 
The next day they drive it to Pennsylvania and then the next day they'd rest. So we actually had to negotiate a lot with them on that part, which was also why it was helpful to have the same agent because we couldn't even get the appraisal done for our loan because you couldn't see anything. Um, and it clearly was not going to appraise for $650,000 in the state that it was when it was covered with items. Our, I remember our inspector, this poor guy, our inspector, thank God he was a younger guy and in good, good shape <laughs> because to be able to look at some of the mechanicals and to be able to look in the basement area um, for you know the water heater and boiler, he literally is like climbing on like the rafts and like balancing and teetering himself on like stacks of things just to be able to try to look at things. So we ended up having to come up with a tiered plan that they had to clean out the inside of the house by a certain date so we can do the appraisal. They had to clean out the outside of the house by a certain date so that way, and then we put money into escrow for that. And then they actually were living there after we bought the property. So then they had to clean out their part of the property by a certain date as well. So there was a lot of money put in escrow and there were a lot of kind of time points to meet along the way, which unfortunately does not necessarily work with two sick elderly people. Right. But at the same time, like they couldn't sell it to other per people. So that was kind of like your opportunity, right? Like nobody else was going to wait that long. I, I mean, they could, but they probably would break the contract and leave. So they knew that, you know, yeah. that you were willing to wait and, and that was your advantage. Yes. So that definitely, we had the time we were able to wait on that. So that was also then our concession for, we got it at a cheaper price to then have to deal with all of this cleanup and these concessions and then also not necessarily knowing what we were going to be left with in the end. Right. So what would be a, a comparable price for a similar property in the same area? Um, how much would you have to pay? How much more? Was it clean? Yes. Clean. Uh, that place was clean. Even though we had to renovate the apartments, you would probably be looking at closer to seven hundred and fifty dollars to $800,000. Oh, wow. So it was a, a big discount for, for the weight. Yes, but it was also a big headache. Right. How long did it take? What was the timeline? So we ended, so with the property itself, also remember that there were also tenants that were there. So some of the tenants chose to stay. Some of the tenants chose to leave. So that also then kind of changed what was happening with the property. But we ended up, it took probably about five months to get closed, which oddly enough, we, my husband and I ended up getting married, closing, renovating one of the full apartments and going for our honeymoon within about a week of itself. <laughs> so um, the morning of our honeymoon, actually, we had to go to Home Depot to go get all the materials that we needed for our contractor to do some of the work while we were gone on our honeymoon. So literally like we didn't even pack. We were like, well, we have to go to Home Depot to get these items. You know, we can buy a bathing suit when we get on the honeymoon, but like we need to buy the materials for the contractors to do this work. So it was definitely a stressful couple of days to get in there. Wow. That's crazy. All right. So going back to uh, the financing, um, so sure. did you put a down payment and then finance the rest? How did that work? Yes, we did. So we were actually able to do an owner occupied loan for that property, which was great. I love owner owned properties because it helps you be able to take advantage of those lower down payments so we were really fortunate with that. 
So especially since we had just previously bought a property, so we didn't have a ton of cash just sitting around. So we were really happy that we were able to get that owner occupied property um, and the loan that way. So we put down that property 3.5% as we did an FHA loan for that. And then we financed the rest. Amazing. Amazing. That, that is the way to go, right? Absolutely. All right. So, so what's your uh, exit for that property? What are you planning to do? Sure. So that property for us is, it is a very large property and it is a great cash flowing property for us. So to us, we are going to keep it probably for a very long time. That is not something that we're going, that we're looking to sell. Also, since it was neglected for so many years, yes, we had to get one of the apartments completely renovated um, for, uh, for us to be able to live there and to be able to move tenants into. We had to do those types of things, but there are still those larger projects that still need updating. They don't need to be done today, but they need to be done in the next few years. So we really see this property as something that's probably going to take us the next probably 10 years to restore it to really its glory. It is a gorgeous, gorgeous turn of the century townhouse, and it could be amazingly gorgeous, but it's just going to take a lot of time and money to be able to get there. So we'll probably every year we're going to do another project and fix up something else. So once again, we're looking at least buying and holding it for 10 years. <laughs> so how, what was the difference in rents between what the tenants were paying and then when you took over and renovated? So Okay, so for the rents, once again, especially being us being in New York State, we can't just raise rents like crazy and say, hey, I know you were paying $1,000 last month, you can now be paying, you know, 1200 this month. Um, you can't raise rents like that. So what we did was we asked, we told the tenants that we were going to be raising them a little bit more to market. And that over the next few years, since a lot of them were long term tenants, that that was kind of the, um, we were going to do this gradient type of increasing rents. So one of the tenants to chose to stay, but they also saw the value in us updating that rent. So that was because now they, they had a place where they can walk down the hallways and they right. had that was fixing things. So they were actually happy to have, they not necessarily happy to have their rent raised, but they were happy with, you can't just raise rent without then some, something else that you're giving in reciprocity. So then by able to giving them backyard space by able to giving them repainting an apartment that hadn't been painted in 15 years by able to really fix the hallways and redo all the floors um, and the light fixtures that was something that then we were able to say hey we're going to start to increase by the legal limit in new york state on an annual basis so that was where we were and that's what we've done now for the two years that we've owned it and it's worked out rather well so in new york we can only raise rent by a maximum of five percent annually their rents were a little below market, but once again, this, this elderly couple just kind of picked rents completely random. They had the nicest apartment, this two bedroom with a gorgeous view of Manhattan out the window. Um, they had that one rented for 900. And then yet they had a two bedroom basement apartment with no windows for about 1400. <laughs> so, um, so it was just, things just didn't kind of even out. So it was interesting then to see which tenants stayed and which tenants left once we were able to kind of say, well, okay, like we have to put this back in like sensical order. <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's interesting. 
uh, about the, the rent control. You know, down here in Florida, we don't have that problem. We can raise the rents to market, no problem. So yeah, not in New York. <laughs> so, you know, that has to, uh, you know, affect sometimes your, you know, your NOI and your numbers when you're buying a property, right? Because you are not able to raise the rents right away. Correct. But what actually helped us was two of the other apartments, they needed some updates, but nothing crazy. It was still safe to live there, but your kitchen more looked like it was out of the 90s than the 20s, right? right. So there were definitely th some things that had to be updated. But what actually worked out was some of the tenants were happy to stay for another year at that lower rent price for to, to live with a little bit of an older kitchen or an older bathroom that just doesn't have the tile, that white subway tile we mm -hmm. all kind of expect. Mm -hmm. They had kind of that purple or green kind of tile that you would have seen back in like the 80s. So what we were able to do in some places, since now we just invested in this property, to say, hey, we'll give you a break on rent, but you have to be okay living with a kitchen from the 90s until the following year. So we had tenants that were perfectly happy to do that. They're, they were safe. Everything was in working order. It just wasn't, you know, HGTV quality kitchen, but for a classy neighborhood, we were able to provide quality housing at an affordable price. Right. And the person that left uh, that apartment, you could go straight back to, to market prices, right? When they leave. Yes. Yes, you can. As long as it's in New York, you can, as long as it's under the, as long as it's under um, five, five apartments, as long as it's four or below. Oh, okay. Yes. Oh, Anything about that it has different pricing and different regulations. Here. Oh, really? Wow. I didn't know that. that that's very, very interesting. Yes. That's All right. I so, so this, you said that this was your second property. So where are you now on your investing? How many properties do you have? Sure. So now we have five properties 10 doors. So Excellent. we have a mix of some singles, we have two duplexes, and then the quadplex. All right. So are you doing that full time now? No, I am not. I have committed to keeping my job um, for the next three years. Um, it is just something really, honestly, it's kind of for the medical insurance. <laughs> um, so that's, that's kind of the, the reason that we decided to stay there. So it's not what I do full-time, but it is definitely what I will be doing full-time rather soon. That's awesome. I mean, we have a lot of similarities. My husband and I, we love traveling. We mm -hmm. went for a, a trip six months through Asia, Australia, and New Zealand. Okay. And through, when we were on that trip, we were both in architecture and we were thinking like, we cannot have our all our eggs in the same basket. So what can we do? And, and we tossed a bunch of um, ideas on what to do. And we always came back to real estate. It was yeah. like, okay, what about a restaurant? Yeah, yeah, but too much time. We have to be there constantly. No. Exactly. What about a business? What about selling this? And it was always like real estate, real estate, real estate. That's so, how we do. But we are, um, and that's actually one of my goals is traveling more. And actually, I want to go back to living abroad. So our my goal is actually to be almost like a snowbird, right? I want to be, I love New York, but I do not want to ever see snow again in my life. So actually this winter, my husband and I are kind of testing it out and we're actually going to go live in the Dominican Republic um, for a little bit of the winter for a couple of months just to see, does this work? Is this possible? But we're still newlyweds. We don't have children yet. So keeping medical insurance through, <laughs> through, through starting a family probably makes the most sense for us. But then I want definitely my children to be growing up in, in a Spanish speaking location. 
That's awesome. I love that. You need to read the, the book. Um, what is it called? The four hour week. I'm, I'm sure you're ready. Oh yeah, four hour week. Yes, I'm taking that with me to DR. Yeah, that, 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 I mean, when I was reading that book and it talks about working abroad and automating and all that, mm -hmm. I was like relieving my trip and I was like, oh my goodness, how did I figure all this out without the book? <laughs> and I'm reading the book now, you know, I would have saved so much time if you I just picked up that book. Yes. Uh, but it was an amazing uh, book and it made me want to do it again. You know, yeah. now we have two kids, so, you know, it will be a little bit different. Uh, we did backpacking and, you know, yeah, very cheaply. Right now we have to be like, you know, with kids, you, you just can't go anywhere. Like you, you gotta be a little bit more what with COVID. So, I mean, that also, yeah. <laughs> at least, you know, maybe hopefully by the time things change with how we can travel around the world, your kids might be a little bit older and, you know, hopefully you'll be able to get that opportunity again. Absolutely. Productivity hack. All right. So uh, now I want to know what's the productivity hack that you would like to share with my audience. Um, what is that one thing that you have implemented in your business that it has taken it to the next level? Sure. So mine actually is I'm a very big list person. I like my to-do list. And as a real estate investor and a person that has a, a fairly demanding day job, and I run a bunch of different things on the side too. I own other businesses you have to keep organized. So what I actually love using is simply notes on the iPhone. You can put things in there and just really, I wake up every morning and it's the first thing I check. And then that way I have my to-do list all written out of what needs to get done like that day, like first thing. And then after that, I have a list of all the projects that I kind of want to work on that are longer term. And I still have a frame time for those. You got to put dates to those things and say, okay, well, in January 2021, we're going to start this project. Or in June 2021, we're going to start this project. But at least I know what needs to be prioritized to make sure that I can get through my day. So that's my first thing I look at every day in my, in my notes on my phone. And clearly that corresponds to things that are color-coded on my calendar so I don't miss meetings like this with you. Awesome. I love that. I mean, I, I am a big list person too. I just love the being able to check off the list, you know, yeah. it's like, sometimes I do something I'm like, wait, but I already completed this. And I put it on the list because I just want to check it off the list. <laughs> I actually, I did that with my, my other list for today. There were a couple things and I just didn't have my phone by me. So I did that. And I actually wrote one of them down just so I could cross it off. <laughs> it's just like that feeling of accomplish something, you know, like, and we gotta, you know, do what works for us, right? If that works and gets you pumped, then, then just do it. Exactly. And it, it just sets your, your intentions for when you start that you already know what you have to tackle. Right. And, you know, I always hear also to, to start with the harder ones, right? Like accomplish first the ones that are harder. That way you don't keep pushing them down the day and then you never do them. Yes. But sometimes though, when we all have that hard project, you kind of need that like easy win you need that thing that you're like, okay, brush my hair. Got it. Yes, yes. I did it. <laughs> then once you do those smaller tasks, then you're like, okay, now I can do that big one because I feel accomplished. I feel that, that self-confidence. So, but yes, this statistically, they always say you should start with the hardest, but I definitely understand sometimes we're all having a bad day and you just need to check off those easy things too. Absolutely. Expert tips. All right, so now we are in the part of the show where you are gonna share with us three expert tips. 
And today, Becky is going to share three expert tips on landlording. Yes. So um, landlording is a topic that I absolutely love. I really love being a landlord. It's not for everybody, but it is something that if you do want to do it, there are certain things that if you follow, you will be so much happier with your tenants and it will be a much better process. So first tip that I want to say is remember that tenants are humans. I understand this is a business. I understand we're in this to make money and to reach our financial goals and to create generational wealth. I'm here for that. I'm sure you're here for that. This is why your listeners are here. But our tenants are human. And I really think that it goes a lot to keep that in mind when someone reaches out to you with the problem they're having in the apartment or when you're having kind of that those kind of tough um, conversations with your tenants about whose responsibility it is to pay for this type of thing or this type of thing. And I think it's really important to say that one of our jobs as landlords is providing safe and nice housing for people to make their home. This is their home. It's not our home when we're renting it out to them. So I always like to lead with compassion and to lead with just that humanistic responsibility and remembering, yes, I am here to make money, but these are, these are people's homes that we're talking about and we need to treat them as such. So that's one, that's my first tip. Um, second tip is screening. I can give you like a thousand tips on screening alone, but screening is incredibly important. I can't tell you how many times like women will come to my, uh, my lady landlords group and they'll say, Hey, I'm having problems with this tenant. And the first question is like, yeah, but like, didn't you verify that they had a job or didn't you check their credit or didn't you like call references? And people would be like, no, they just said to my Facebook ad that they wanted to rent the place. So I did. And I'm like, no, you can't just do that. Um, so what I recommend as a tip there is to make sure that you have a process, make sure that you know your requirements and what you're looking for. So set a requirement of for this apartment, whether if, or this house, that one unit, even if you just have that one door, make sure to say, I will only accept people that have this type of income, this type of um, this type of credit score, this this amount of years of employment, whatever it may be. Make sure to follow your fair housing laws in your state when you're doing those. Um, make sure that like that's a very big asterisk next to it to make sure to follow your fair housing laws, but make sure to do those, make sure to do a very thorough screening. You are literally trusting somebody else with your investment. If you're going to do that, just as much as you're analyzing your numbers and making sure that you're buying the right investment property, you want to also then make sure that you're doing the same thing with the people that you were handing keys over to. Absolutely. So that's, that's tip number two. Tip number three would be to stay in touch and follow up, which means do quarterly inspections. Go look in the apartments. One of the other things that I feel like I see all the time are people like, hey, this tenant moved out after five years and they left the place a mess. And it's like, okay, well, that didn't just happen in a day. <laughs> Go visit your property. Follow what's in your lease. Make sure that you have the opportunity to do those inspections on a regular basis. Know what you're looking for. And then also, if you hear about problems, take care of them. If someone comes to you saying, hey, there's no heat, there's problems with water, there's whatever it may be, follow up on those things. If you're going to say that you're going to fix something, go and fix it. 
Absolutely. These are amazing, amazing tips. People take notes because you hit it in the, the nail in the head, you know, like screening is so important. And I want to add, follow your instinct. Sometimes mm -hmm. like you have that instinct, you know, when you get somebody and I've been burned <laughs> when I don't follow it, you know, so, you know, make sure to, to screen, uh, trust, but verify. Yes. And that's something I'm going to give a shout out to the women. We have amazing gut feelings as women. And that's just a really cool ability that we have. And this is a great place for us to be able to use that to our advantage. Absolutely. So tell me a little bit about your Lady Landlords group. Sure. So Lady Landlords is a Facebook group that any woman can join that is looking for help with their investment properties or if they're looking to either acquire their first and become a landlord, you are absolutely still welcome to join if you're still in that education phase. Or for women that are looking to scale their properties, situations come up all the time with either their properties or what is going on with their tenants. And we're really an educational site to help walk through those things. None of us went to school to be landlords. None of us took courses in how to do this. And everybody's situation is completely different. So it's a great forum just to kind of come into and say, hey, I'm having this issue. What would you do? What should I do? What, how is the best way to handle this? So we're really there just as a self-help group. Awesome. And you know, like you said, nobody went to school to be a landlord. And like you, it's kind of like a trial and error kind of thing. Like you do something, it works, you keep doing it. You do something, it doesn't work, you, you stop doing it. And, you know, being able to have access to all this experience through your group is amazing because you can ask the question and then get the answer from people that have done it before. So take advantage of that, go to Facebook and join her group. Thank you so much, Becky, for being here today. Uh, I learned so much. I am very grateful. We've been connected on Facebook for a while. And yeah. so I was very excited uh, to, to have you today on, on, on the, on the uh, interview. And if you are learning something today, don't forget to uh, subscribe to the channel and join our Facebook group as well and our Facebook page, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, everywhere. So thank you so much and have a wonderful day. This was Real Estate Deal Closers with Annette Talee, brought to you by Talee Investments. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. Our goal is to provide amazing value on your real estate journey. Connect online at www.taleeinvestments.com where you can find this episode and more. Did you like this episode? Subscribe, like, and share.